Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. In 2 Samuel 15 and 1. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was, whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision, that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, Your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And so in thinking that he could do a better job of being king than David, Absalom demonstrated his ignorance of the covenant that God had already made with David by trying to steal the hearts of the people. It's that self-promotion attitude. I could do better than you. I, I could do it better than you do. The calling was not on Absalom to do that. God had David anointed to be king, not Absalom. But the way to steal people's heart, typically, uh, let me say in a political arena, (laughs) the way to steal people's heart is by giving them what they want. And so Absalom, he manipulated politics to gain the people to his side. How do I know that? Well, first off, he said, I will give them justice. We already know that Absalom's version of justice was extremely severely warped. Remember, he pre-planned the murder of Amnon for raping Tamar. That's not justice. Justice would have been have him come back and face a trial, and then the trial, according to the law, would administer his punishment. But it doesn't sound like Absalom knows what justice is. Who is he to say that he can give people proper justice at all? And I will bet that the people that came to him with their case, there was a lot of people that should have won their case, but they lost. And I bet there's a lot of people that should have lost their case that won because Absalom had a bias in this to steal people away. Verse two says, whenever somebody came to who? Absalom? No. It says whenever they came to the king for a decision, it means they were not coming. They did not come to see Absalom. They came to see David. They came to see the king. And so obviously Absalom blocked their way and distracted them and prevented them from bringing their case to the king by lying to them. He said, hey, David has no deputy here for this. I'll take your case instead. 
Who's who says there needed to be a deputy? Who said there had to be a go between? He's trying to trying to say, hey, there's there's no deputy. You just come straight to me. Well, no, no, wait a minute. You're supposed to go straight to the king. You know, I as a Christian, I get to go boldly straight to the king, to Messiah Jesus. There's not an in between between me and the Lord. But anyway, he is lying to people. Absalom is blocking their way to the king when they should have been coming straight to the king. He deceived everybody, manipulation, and by pretending to be a friend. He says he took their hand and they kissed and, you know, I'm your friend. Oh, you've got a good case. We'll, we'll make this right. We'll make this right. This guy has no idea what justice truly is. Be careful of these people that act like your friend. Even Satan masquerades as an angel of light, pretending to be your friend when he's not. Second Samuel 15 and 7 Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, Then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor, from his city from Jilo, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. I just noticed that he sent for this guy while he was doing sacrifices. Hey, hey, forget your sacrifice. Come on. (laughs) Verse 7 says that after 40 years, Absalom asked to go to Hebron. This does not mean that Absalom spent 40 years turning the hearts of the people. He only spent four years turning everybody's heart around. The 40 years here is talking about 40 years after Samuel first anointed David to be king long before he actually became king. Remember, there's a long period of time running from Saul before he actually became king, but it was 40 years before this that the anointing was on David. So what the Bible is trying to do is remind us that this calling is David's. The authority is his. It does not belong to Absalom. The anointing was on David 40 years prior. So Absalom announced his takeover. When the horns blow, you say, I'm the guy now. And he he did this in Hebron, which is the same place where David started his own rule. But the way Absalom is doing this is by calling for a revolution. That's what people do when they don't respect authority. David never, ever called for a revolution. As a matter of fact, if you can recall, David refused to lay a hand on Saul. He would not touch the man, even when he had a chance to. Remember in the cave, he could have slit his throat and killed him silent and quick right there, but he cut off a piece of his garment to take back and prove, hey, look, look at this. I could have killed you and I didn't. So David wouldn't touch him. In fact, he always referred to Saul as, quote, the Lord's anointed. David did not call for revolution to take Saul down. You can see a big difference in how David got to the throne by calling, by anointing of God, versus how Absalom is trying to take it. Absalom is going by revolution. David never did. Now, remember, God's covenant, covenant, promise, 
is upon David, the Davidic covenant. Absalom is about to try to go against the Lord's covenant promise. He is going to fail miserably. And it doesn't matter how many numbers of people that he has on his side. It doesn't matter how far he's tipped the scale. God always upholds his promises that he has for people. You can take comfort in that, that God upholds his promises. 2 Samuel 15, 13. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise, let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherethites, all the Pelethites, and all the Gittites, six hundred men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Ittai, Go, and cross over. Then Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. Now, some of these people who are following David here, they had been following him since the time that King Saul was pursuing David. I mean, they've been, in, they've been used to this. They've been around David for a long time. They're thinking, hey, We've done this before. We've had people after us before. This is nothing new to us. David knows what he's doing. (laughs) You can kind of, you know, it was a sad moment because they wept, but they've been through it before. But I want you to notice it says it specifies a certain man named Ittai, the Gittite. I hope I'm saying that right. The Ittai, the Gittite. Who is he? Who is this guy? He gets a special mention. There is a biblical list of men in the Bible. It's called the Mighty Men of David. And there is someone named Ittai from the tribe of Benjamin is one of them, okay? But here in chapter 15, this is a different guy because David called him a foreigner. If he had been from the tribe of Benjamin, he wouldn't have been considered a a foreigner. He was a fellow Israelite. This is a different Ittai because he is a Gittite. What is a Gittite? A Gittite is somebody who is from Gath, somebody from Gath. Now, what is so significant about Gath? Where is that? Gath was the hometown of Goliath. And he wants to follow David. And so you got to think this man, Ittai, he was an advisor probably to help David with military strategies when it came to fighting the Philistines, because he is a Philistine. He didn't want to go the other way. He wanted to follow David. But you got to figure this guy left his own people at some point, and he showed up to follow David. 
And I think it's just fascinating to see a man who would leave his own people to follow the covenant king. Friend, at some point, got to repent and walk away from the world. Your own people, the ones who are living in sin, you've got to leave your own people at some time and become a foreigner to this world if you want to follow Jesus. Nice little gospel picture here. He knows the covenant king when he sees one. And even though he was a Philistine, which was one of the sworn enemies of Israel, he was able to see the Lord's hand upon David. And he wanted to leave his own people to follow the Lord's anointed king, King David, who has the covenant of God. That is such a beautiful gospel picture. A little blip in there that the Bible gives us that people are recognizing what David has in his life. His own son, Absalom, can't see this. He can't see the covenant that God put in his life. But a foreigner, a former enemy, a Philistine, Ittai, he can see it. Second Samuel fifteen twenty four. There was Zadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. Okay, David knew that if it was God's will for him not to return as king, then God would deal with that. I mean, David is dealing with guilt. He'd been kind of tripping up a little bit the last few chapters. He knows he messed up. He knows he made a big mistake. He knows there's covenant too, okay? But what if this is God's way of dealing with me, the discipline, the punishment that I messed up so bad, maybe God's taken me out. And so Absalom is from David, that's his son. So maybe David is thinking, perhaps the covenant remains intact. If it goes to Absalom, I don't know. Maybe I messed up worse than what I think Absalom is being, and maybe God's going to hand it to him. But regardless, the ark needs to be in Jerusalem. If it's God's will, he'll make it work where I'll come back. I think that was a good way to look at it. And I don't think that David is trying to escape out of fear. Yes, he's leaving. And he did say, let's get out of here unless he destroy a lot of stuff. But I think what David is really doing is here is an act of protection for the people that are under his care. He knows that if, if Absalom comes back to Jerusalem and they're there, remember David's uh, servant said, hey, we're ready to do anything you command. Basically, they were saying, you want us to fight, we're going to fight. I don't think David wanted to do that because it would hurt a lot of people. David knows his sin messed up a lot of people. Life's been lost. He doesn't want to see any more. Let's get out of here. Let's avoid a conflict because he doesn't want people getting hurt. So he ordered that they take that ark back to Jerusalem because it was David who was going into exile, not the Lord. So David said, hey, I don't need the ark here. Take it back. If I'm going to come back, I'll be back. And so Zadok and his sons took the ark back, knowing that if God revealed anything to them that David needed to know then they can bring the news back to David in the wilderness. David's going to have them go back, not only with the ark, but there for communication. What's going on in there while I'm not in Jerusalem? 
And now I think David is really acting by faith here. You can see the wisdom that's playing itself out here because David's working out a good strategy. He's leaving, but he's leaving some of his guys in town. He's he's operating like a king again. You remember when it said that the armies went out and David kind of chilled back at Jerusalem, not really doing his job? I think David's acting like a king now this time. David's he's just good at this kind of stuff, isn't he? He always has been. Second Samuel 15 and 30. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Bam, guys, right there. Look at that. David did what? What did he just do? I hope you caught it. He prayed. (laughs) Okay. He prayed. And I noticed this when he prayed. My church calls me P. Ray, short for Pastor Ray. And when you spell P. Ray out, it spells pray, which is pretty cool. But anyway, I noticed when people pray, and he did. He And it wasn't just a loose prayer. It wasn't a general prayer. Well, God, if it's your will, then fine. If not, oh, well, okay. No, the way he prayed was he prayed specifically. He didn't just ask some loose, open-ended deal. David got very specific in his prayer. The Lord wants you to ask specifically. The word says it, ask. Ask for what, the, what you need, okay? He specified a targeted, detailed prayer in saying, have Absalom be given stupid counsel, Ahithophel. Make us, dumb him down, Lord God. Make whatever he advises him to be just the dumbest, most idiotic thing that's going to mess them up. And he knew that bad counsel was going to be designed by God to thwart Absalom's takeover, that it wouldn't work. Now, the fact that David covered his head, it says, and he walked barefoot, means he was feeling some despair. He was sad. What if this doesn't turn out? I mean, this doesn't look good. And not only that, but his own trusted counselor guy, his own advisor, Ahithophel, betrayed him. Friends, have you ever had somebody betray you, especially a very close friend, somebody you trusted? Look at what's happened to David. He's lost some of his best counselors, some of his best friends that he had. And as a matter of fact, in chapter 16, it speaks about the advice of Ahithophel. It says, which he gave in those days, it was as if somebody would inquire at the oracle of God. That's pretty good advice from Ahithophel to be called that. And so even though David was feeling the despair, the neglect, the pain of betrayal, a friend turned on me, I trusted you and you turned and walked to follow this guy, uh, Absalom. And even though his advice was solid like Oracle of God, David prayed for the Lord to stupefy, to dumb down the advice of the man that was best known as a solid advisor, probably the best advisor in all Israel. David prayed, Lord, make his counsel foolish. Isn't that something? The smartest guy make his counsel foolish. So David knew by faith that the wisdom of the Lord is able to bring the wisdom of men down to nothing. Zilch, zero, nada. It is the the power of God and his infinite wisdom exceeds us so vast, so far that he can dumb down even the smartest guys in the room, okay? And that's what David prayed for. Now, David had a major problem going on, doesn't he? Everything, everything's looking bad. 
and there was nothing he could do about it himself. I know you've been in a spot like that. Everything's caving in. All your best, biggest guns are gone. They, they're leaving. What do you do? There's nothing you can do. Yes, there is. You can pray. You can pray about it. He turned it over to the Lord. Lord, I can't do anything here, but I leave it all in your hands. Mess up Absalom. He prayed for Absalom to get bad counsel. That's quite a prayer. You know what? That's kind of an odd prayer, but it's a good prayer. Second Samuel fifteen thirty two. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God, there was Hushai. Am I saying that right? I'm a Texas redneck. Just roll with me. There is Hushai. Hushai. Hushai? Hush. Hush, whatever. Hush and just listen to me. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, so hush. There was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Indeed, they have there with them their sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them, you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. You know, I just want you to notice the double one-two punch that David's prayer returned back. He prayed, Lord, make Ahithophel's counsel bad, and then he gets this guy Hushai, Hushai, whoever, (laughs) that he is also going to send to double up the foolishness of Ahithophel's advice. I'm having trouble with names today, okay? It's just my, just, it's just me. Bear with me. So he gets this, this second guy. It's like he prayed for it. Then this other guy shows up and he goes, hey, go defeat his counsel also. So not only did he pray against Ahithophel's counsel, but he's got a guy going back there to put more pressure on the council. I just find that amazing. So I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in answered prayer? <laughs> well, look at what David did. He prayed, and suddenly when they got to the top of the mountain, there's Hushai. He's ready to help. Now, the Lord is working for the covenant he gave to David. He's going to hold up his promises. But here's the thing about that. Being under covenant does not mean you're going to be free from trouble. There's a lot of people that say, if you'll just get saved by Jesus, he'll make everything better and everything will be okay. That's not true. David is under covenant and he's got trouble, doesn't he? So that's just the way it goes sometimes. But God gets you through the trouble, but God refines you through the trouble. It's like working out. You're not going to get them big Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles like I almost have unless you go to the gym and hurt them muscles a little bit. Trial hurts, but it does strengthen you. It refines you. So here comes Absalom to take David out. And notice how David did not stand his ground to fight. Now, that sounds like something sounds like something David would have done because he faced Goliath, right? Why didn't David stand up against Absalom? I mean, why didn't he face him like he did Goliath? Because Absalom is his own son, but David does love him. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.